Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Story on the Spot. Uh, this is our podcast and live show, our weekly podcast and live show, where we invent story ideas on the spot, and I give these guys pitches, and, or I give these guys story prompts, and then they pitch stories. Today, I am with Nick, can't think of anything good, Thacker, Mr. Ben Grimm, who's also uh, known as R.A. McGee, and uh, we're not sure where Kevin Tumlinson is. Hopefully, he will come up here in the next couple minutes um while we're waiting last week our week 10 winner was mr ben Grimm, mr r a dj we don't know hooray <laughs> you know man, what 10 episodes this is monumental man <laughs> we're, we're doing all right well that was last week so yeah um yeah. wait are you counting the number of times you're winning <laughs> no, no 10 episodes 10 episodes no no, no, say it's, no one's counting uh, well, it's easier for some of us to count than others. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> it's All right. not hard All right. to count to one. How, how's it going to be, huh? Gotcha. All right, guys. Let's, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into it, and we'll see, if, we'll see if Kevin manages to show up. But first of all, today we are going to start off with a bonus round, which is a new with, thing. Starting with a bonus round. Starting with a bonus round, we're going to mix these in from time to time and just with our story. We'll do four stories every week and then in a bonus round or two to mix it in and make it interesting. Oh, there's a Kevin Tumlinson. What? And he's just a man. Hey, Kevin Tumlinson. And that, that was our show today, guys. Thanks for, show. Um, Thanks for coming. Good job. Make sure you did great today, bro. Somehow, somehow Kevin still won. Yeah. Yep, I'm out. I'll see you guys later. Uh, Kevin, what you, what you missed is we were just about to start with... A bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Dun, dun, dun. Too bad I can't drop in little jingles here. Too bad. Uh, too bad. Um, all right. You totally can do that. You can? All right. <laughs> we'll talk yes. later. Uh, all right. So here is our first bonus round. Now, how this is going to work is at least one person can go or everyone can go. But just a quick pitch about a villain whose main motivation is a hatred of enchiladas. And uh, uh, you get a bonus point if you win or if you're the only person who can successfully pitch a thriller story about a villain. I got one. Main... I got one. I'll go right now. I'll Let's go right it, now. Right? Let's do this. All right. So uh, the the villain uh, who is often the uh, the hero in their own mind, of course, right? No villain actually thinks he's a villain. Uh is named Carlos and Carlos uh, was going out, you know, he had spent most of, most of the school year wooing a very attractive girl in his senior class. Right. And uh, you know, they really like each other and he saved all his money. He cut a bunch of lawns. He bought some really nice khaki pants so he could take her. Stop. Don't laugh yet, Jim. He bought some really nice khaki pants so he could take her out to, to the best dinner that he could afford. He's going to Ruth's Chris and everything. Well, that afternoon, that's big money when you're in high school, remember. That <laughs> afternoon, uh, him and his buddies swung by the only drive-through enchilada stand in New Mexico. And uh, later on, when Carlos went to uh, 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 dinner with his uh, paramour, uh, as expected, the drive-through enchiladas worked their business on him. He soiled his khaki pants, all right? And so from there on out, he spent the next years of his life figuring out a way to uh, uh, make a ray gun that would poison every enchilada on earth so no one else could ever have the embarrassment that he had. 
So the enchilada ray gun. Very nice. <laughs> All right. right. So Kevin disappeared again, proving that he is just like a rainbow. He's impossible to catch. Uh, mm. <laughs> Nick, do you have, do you have a story pitch about uh, a villain who hates enchilada? I do. Um, most importantly, I think I have a title for this episode, and that is Kevin is a rainbow. Um, so we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just toss that to the side, just table that, you know, until the end. What? What? We're prepared with another graphic for episode ten. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so that's my that's my pitch. Uh, what do you guys think? Pretty good, right? Wait, I, I think I missed oh, it. Dang it! I was hoping to to get one over on you guys. Okay, so here's here's the deal. We got a, a classic story here about um, a, a villain. Who uh, just like just like BJ said, you know this in his eyes he's the hero. Um, now this villain grew up um, with. The, by the way, my title of my story is called Enchilada, um, and uh, the villain, uh, the, the main character, his motivation for um, for for blaming enchiladas for his woes is that he grew up with a, a father who owned a taco shop and sold enchiladas. It was he was known for his enchiladas. And so all his life, you know, he knew he was going to go into the family business and he was going to make enchiladas. Well, he, he met a woman, fell in love and told her about his story. And she said, I absolutely love enchiladas. It's like one of my favorite foods. We need to do this. We, we absolutely need to do it. And he said, okay, great. And they started a food truck and things went really, really well until one day he caught his enchilada loving wife cheating with him on his enchilada loving dad. And so therefore, or from, from then on, he had a hatred for enchiladas, blaming most of his problems in life to enchiladas. And he realized that every problem he ever had, whether it was money issues or the fact that his wife couldn't get pregnant, it was all related to enchiladas because they ate enchiladas the day, you know what I'm saying? Um, all of it was related to enchiladas. And so he started um, this basically terror spree against anyone who liked enchiladas, owned enchilada restaurants, uh, sold enchiladas in the grocery store. It was all related to enchiladas. It's chilling. Kevin, in cheat ladas. In cheat ladas. Very <laughs> nicely done. Kevin, do you have um no, this is a bonus round, so it's just optional. Do you have a pitch about a villain whose main motivation is a hatred of enchiladas? I think this is uh a, a, a little bit like uh, a Joker origin story. So what we've got is this madman who doesn't give a crap about enchiladas at all. Like he doesn't really care about it, but he's chosen to make that his arbitrary reason for going out on a murder spree. So anyone he sees eating an enchilada, any place he sees serving an enchilada, it's all about blow them up, take them out, uh, and uh, get rid of all the enchiladas. And it's just his thing. He's just chosen that at random. And our hero figures out that this is just a random thing and starts using, uh, starts tracking down our bad guy. That's, that's in a Batman style relationship. So, He's the enchilada joker. <laughs> you complete me. Thanks, Kevin. All right, I'm going to throw up the story prompt for our first one. This is called Calling Alfred Hitchcock. A cheeky seagull embarked on a life of crime in Gloucester, Massachusetts by plucking a man's wallet from the top of a pizza box and carrying it onto a nearby roof. Phil Peterson was on a cherry picker hanging lights nearby and offered to retrieve the wallet, which was being picked apart by two seagulls. He tried to distract the birds uh, by throwing bread at them, 
but that only turned their attention to Peterson pecking and swooping at him. Quick-thinking bystander Mike Ramos borrowed a flashlight from a police officer and used its strobe feature to discombobulate the birds just long enough for Peterson to sneak in, grab the wallet, and bring it back to its rightful owner. Oh, no, I mean, this is easy. This is easy. Go you ahead, know what Nick. the story is, right? I mean, guys, I mean, it's a classic, classic case of um, a trained seagull being the accomplice in a in a in a triumvirate of crime. Uh, uh, these three folks, Ramos and Peterson, and um, who the other the other the third person was maybe maybe it was just two people. They've trained these seagulls to uh, to pick up people's wallets, and so they target specific people who they know are wealthy, and they just you know kind of tail them a little bit, and they wait for an opportunity. Um, like when a rich guy puts his wallet on top of a pizza box, because that's what everybody does. Um, and so they throw, they, they, all of a sudden they, they tell the seagulls, it's time to go roll in. And they, they run and then one of them grabs the, uh, the wallet, um, brings it up to a nearby roof. And it just so happens that one of the guys has a cherry picker that he's standing on the next nearby house and he offers help. And so he swings the cherry picker over and he descends down and he says, okay, I got your wallet. Oh, crap, all the, the seagulls are attacking me. Um, and then Ramos comes in with his flashlight, and he uh, signals to the to the birds um, that he's basically taught them um, 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 strobe light um, Morse code. And so uh, he's he's able to tell them, like, hey, you know what? I, I got this. You know, we're good now. And then they, they, they make it look like they're attacking their, their owner, their master, and, uh, and then they fly away, leaving them to uh, get some money from the uh, from the wallet. Uh, and then they give the wallet back and they say, Hey, here you go. And the guy's like, wait, I had more money in there. They're like, Oh wow. The seagulls must've took it out. Damn. What do we do? And the guy's like, ah, it's okay. Um, you saved my wallet. So thank you very much. So the strobe light. Yeah. <laughs> They're like drifters, strobe. man. They're like all a gold twist or something. You know? Never trust a bird. Mm, never. Tr- yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. R.A. or Kevin, do you have a pitch for this calling Alfred Hitchcock story? But the uh, seagull, the life of crime, seagull. I can. Yeah, I got something. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay uh, so I think this is an emerging artificial intelligence, and it's out there trying uh, to figure out ways to to interact with the physical world. And what it's done is co-opt a program that builds uh, robotic pigeons. That were going to be used to, uh, you know, basically to infiltrate, sort of study uh, wildlife and in city landscapes. Uh, so these robot pigeons have been built and taken over by the artificial intelligence, and it's training them on how to do things like, you know, stealing a wallet and getting uh, getting the money from the guy's wallet would be a useful skill uh, in interacting with the real world. But it's also about training these pigeons so that they're more accurate and uh, obey the commands and do things exactly the way the AI needs them to. So this is a, this is a plot to overthrow humanity, uh, starting with robotic pigeons. And the strobe effect that disables them is uh, the, uh, our hero has learned that there is a flaw in the brains, in the uh, electronic brains of the, the robots and they're photosensitive. So when these strobe lights goes off, it basically is their shutdown sequence. Very nice. Thank you, Kevin Tomlinson. All right, all right. Bring us home on story number one. What do you got? Okay, so I think that we all agree that the the pigeons are, are highly trained and they're smarter than we let on. And I think that uh, 
I think that Ramos uh, wasn't just a, a, a passerby who had a good idea about the flashlight, that he knew that that was how you control the pigeons because uh, Ramos used to be a, a, a DARPA scientist and that he helped the military work on the old program to train dolphins uh, to infiltrate things and plant bombs on submarines and stuff. And he was working on a plan to uh, uh, to train apes, but then they watched Planet of the Apes and they thought, like, this hits a little too close to home. We probably shouldn't do this, you know? So then they decided, well, birds are fairly innocuous. So Ramos trained up a whole fleet of birds to, to fly in, to take things, to do everything they could. Well, the problem is uh, the birds achieved a little too much sentience. And so they escaped these two birds and they were going after the wallet because they knew they needed money, right? To be able to get themselves a nice cage lined with newspaper or some seeds and stuff like that. And uh, so Ramos was just chasing them. He didn't have a flashlight, the cop did. So he used that uh, to communicate with them and bring them back into the fold. And he's gonna uh, he's gonna have to put those birds down because they got a little too smart. So I think that uh, it's a it's a military project gone awry. Got to put the birds down. That's a sad day. Yeah. All right. So if you're watching, let uh, vote by comment for whose story pitch you like the best. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Here's our next story, and this is called Bright Idea. Bradley Bell, head writer for The Bold and the Beautiful, said the show is experimenting with using blow-up dolls in love scenes as the daytime soap in hiatus since March resumed taping. Challenged to adhere to COVID-19 protocols, Bell said, we put our heads together trying to figure out a way to make these scenes work without breaking the six-foot rule, and we brought out a doll we used years ago as a corpse. The result, he said, was very convincing. So who would who would like to be the first to pitch us a story based on this idea of corpse love dolls being used in uh, uh, sex scenes for a daytime soap? Mm, I'm going to have to call on somebody. Wait, right. sorry. Did she did she just vote for my story and then give him credit for it? Uh, let's take a look at that comment again. You just use story number one strobe Morse code goes to BJ. I think (laughs) I can't even buy points, man. What the heck? (laughs) I can't even buy points. And and, and Jim just, he's, he's a collaborator, man. He just throws it out there. Like no one's going to read it, man. I read faster than that. Hey, Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I got something for this one too. Then I'll just, okay. I'll just jump in. Please. I'll win this one too. Desiree. <sighs> clone idea goes to BJ. Um, so my, 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 my thing is this is a classic story about clone cloning. Uh, we've got a company who has created a way to uh, clone humans and they know that societal change only comes through advancements in technology. And so what they are realizing though, is, um, society is not quite ready for this technological change and advancement. So they have developed, their marketing team has developed a way to slowly get people accepting the idea that there might be, you know, clones here, pretty clones of humans pretty soon. And so they've partnered with, um, one of the most insignificant companies they can think of, um, meaning they'll just reach a whole wide yet very targeted subset of the population. And that's people who, uh, who uh, watch daytime TV. 
And so they have partnered with them and they've made these blow up dolls that look very realistic and very convincing humans. And then they're going to try to start putting them in the show. And the long game is that eventually people are going to realize that they're fake and they're not going to look very real. And so what they're going to do is they have the clone versions of these, the real life people um, that they're actually going to start throwing in slowly. And then just sort of hinting that, um, you know, we've, we've been able to make these blow up dolls based on clones, which are actually based on real human actors in the show. Um, and so you've been watching this blow up doll and now it's a clone. Um, it's still not quite a real human um, as just sort of a way to get this, this group of people uh, invested in the idea that clones, clones can totally work. So I mean, obviously that's what the story is about. I don't know what you guys are getting from it, but. Um, <laughs> well, Nick, Desiree did can't say wait for Desiree to vote for clones. She- she yeah. did say that she meant to vote for you for the first round. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let it go, Nick. It's time to move on. Let it go. Let okay, it go. I think I need to go second. I think I need to go second. Uh, all right, all right. What you got? Last last time. So, um, the thing about about this is uh, Bradley Bell, um, when he left college, all right, he wanted to be a writer, right? Obviously. Things weren't really going that good for him. So he kind of took a, a post-college gap year. And he went to Europe and he, he traveled extensively. And he ended up uh, getting in with a, a, a Romani family, okay? You know, like the travelers. And there was a, a their, their grandmother was a very powerful witch, okay? And so she taught him all kinds of, of uh, spells and, 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 and a bit of alchemy and potions and things like that. Well... She actually taught him uh, essentially a way to make people, uh, to kill people on site and to, to make them so inanimate that they, they might as well be dead. You know, they're essentially trapped in their own body for all eternity. And so Bradley goes to Hollywood and he starts trying to put his, his, his feet in. This is hypothetical, Bradley, not the Bradley that's going to sue me if he ever hears this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hypothetical Bradley. All right. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. All right. Bradley, when he would encounter resistance in his career, he would use the old Romani curses and basically curse the people into making them like living dolls. Okay. well, the problem is he doesn't use that power with very much restraint. So he's got a whole basement full of these things. And now he's trying to figure out how can I how can I offload some of these things without making Uh, people suspicious so his ideal is i'll start slipping them into scenes and essentially i'll just leave them on set all the time people will know we're using them and that i provided them but no one will be any wiser uh that they were people that he 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 uh he dolled up on his way uh up the up the ladder so i think bradley is uh casting spells on people and this is his disposal technique casting spells all right, Kevin Tomlinson, I believe that leaves just you. So okay. what do you have for this story? Here's what's happened. We're actually uh, very far in the future. Well, not very far. We're like 10, 15, maybe 20 years in the future. And our enchilada madman teamed up with the pigeon controlling AI. And they basically terminated civilization. But once they were defeated, there were very few people left in the world. And they're all sort of, uh, there's this noxious enchilada-based gas that has permeated the atmosphere and is preventing anyone from being able to go outside. So you've got, uh, you still got the need for entertainment. So this last remaining producer 
has one or two actors to his, to his uh, name, and he's doing everything remote. So it's bring in the clones. Uh, the, uh, uh, they've got these uh, cloned uh, uh, stand-ins who actually have, are not animated. They're alive, but they're not animated. So they can stand in on these scenes, and this is how we are trying to kind of keep the uh, human civilization from just imploding on itself. Give a little bit of hope so that we can get past the Inchwata Madman AI pigeon controlling computer apocalypse. <laughs> Man, excellent work tying that into <laughs> every story so far. Enchilada Madman would be a, another good option for, for the episode title. Enchilada Madman. <laughs> um, all right, so now, you know what, guys? Boom, it's time for another bonus round. So this one is this one is very simple. Who can convince me that National Treasure is the best movie of all time? Hmm. <laughs> First of all, Nicolas Cage. It's almost all you guys say because it doesn't matter whether you love or hate Nicolas Cage. He brings butts to the seats. He he's the he's there, and he brings it home. National he does Treasure, something with butts. It's got all it's got all the elements. It's got mystery. It's got history. It's got love. It's got uh, a goofy sidekick. It is it, it hits every note and it's got Nicolas Cage. So I, I think it, it does have Nicolas Cage. Kevin is correct about that. Um, the thing that makes me. it <laughs> the thing <laughs> that makes it the best movie in the world is actually in spite of Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is one of the greatest actors of all time to actually be a terrible actor and pull the wool over our heads. Um, and so he's achieved that. And so the movie succeeds not because of, but in spite of Nick Cage. And what I mean by that is the, the, the story is perfectly written. You've got a story where you think this is too good to be true. You're tying in historical elements, some of, some of which are real and uh, some puzzles that, that are actually things that they have to solve. And when they do, you think to yourself, well, this is Hollywood. You know, there's never a, a real payoff at the end of these movies. There's always like a, a gotcha. It's like, oh, well, the treasure wasn't there, but that's okay because we learned something in our hearts bigger. Uh, it was all, yeah, it's inside of you all along, right? And so that happens at the end of this. They they walk into the room and it's empty, and our hearts are 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 just you know crushed. And then we realize it's Hollywood. That's what they do. And then it goes up, and he talks to the guy who's in the in the a Freemason. And, uh, and, and he's like, someone's got to go to prison. He's like, I really don't want to go to prison. And so he tells him where to meet the, you know, the bad guys that go to the church. Um, and, uh, and then it swings back over. And then you, Nick Cage goes, I actually found the treasure. And you're like, what? And then you remember, yeah, they walked in. And there's this giant room of treasure. Um, and, uh, and if you were paying attention, you would have seen that before. Pitch. You're just the, recapping the, is, the movie. The point is, it's awesome because they find all the treasure. And it's all in one place. And there's gold everywhere. And there's like gunpowder in these little like troughs. And they light it. And it still works. And there's never been any water in there that that it ruined it. And uh, the whole thing doesn't actually go up in smoke and flames. But it's just this pretty like outline of of things just like it was left there 200 years ago. And it's perfect because they win. So Nick, Nick is like, OK, so there's this movie. And it's, got a, <laughs> it's got a treasure. And it's national. It's national, right? It's not local <laughs> or state. This is national. <laughs> That's why it's the best movie ever. So the real national treasures were the national treasures they found along the way. And the, the friendships that they made. <laughs> uh, BJ, you got a pitch for this or you want to sit this one out? Um, Diane Kruger is bilingual. That's nice. 
Um, they deflect. There, there's some kind of uh, some kind of metaphor to be made by Nicolas Cage uh, uh, deflecting bullets with the Declaration of Independence. Uh, but I'm not smart enough to get there right now, so I, I don't got anything for you. I'm sorry. All right, everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. America. America. Yeah, exactly. All right. This story. This next story is called the foreign press police in madrid spain caught up with a wanted criminal in late may nacho vidal a porn star was charged with manslaughter relating to the death of fashion photographer jose luis abad last year at vidal's country residence according to authorities abad died after inhaling venom of the bufo alvarius toad during the celebration of a mystic ritual The toad, which is native to Mexico in the southwestern U.S., secretes venom containing a powerful psychedelic substance. Police said Vidal and his cohorts have lured people who are easily influenced, vulnerable, or were seeking help for illnesses or addictions to the rituals on a regular basis. So the Bufo Alvarius toad, apparently if you inhale it, I'm not sure how you inhale a toad. Oh, it's the venom. Right. If you inhale the venom. So I guess you dry it up, you dry the venom because you think it's a liquid. It's probably not very Look, pleasant to inhale. That don't don't write our stories for us. Man. <laughs> we'll come up with the method. All right then. We'll come up with the delivery system. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to you for who wants to be the first to pitch us a story okay. about Nacho Vidal. I, that's me. I want to do it. Okay. Nacho Vidal. Okay. Uh, Nacho Vidal. Somewhat tangentially related to our enchilada madman. Okay, but this is the delivery system. This is how our enchilada madman and our AI bird controlling computer actually decimated mankind by weaponizing this toxin from the uh, from the toad and uh, creating a noxious enchilada gas that swept over the entire world and started wiping people out one by one. Nice. So, hey, there's uh, Craig Hart left the comment that I need to do an accent. Craig, I used to do accents on this show, um, but every time I did one, well, it's not that I'm not allowed. It's just that Nick would remove himself from the stream every time I did an accent. Your accent would kick me out of the stream inadvertently. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really got tired of having to like manually re-add nick back in so you know in this case the um uh, uh the mob one the uh the the mob rule the mob, influenced the mob of one the mob of no i'm pretty sure all three of you hated my accents anyway i like them man i like them don't downgrade yourself jim you're doing a valuable thing with those accents man but then you yeah, see craig says doubt- craig says he's only tuning in because of the accents. so how do we keep uh, all the people happy i don't know I don't know what the solution. Don't, and don't doubt yourself, Jim. We all absolutely hated your accents. <laughs> thanks, thanks for <laughs> confirming that, Nick. <laughs> okay, so Nick or Nick or Ra, do you have a pitch for the foreign press? I, yeah, I can go. I oh, go for it. You, you want to go? go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll right. get, let me get out of the way. Okay, so all right. All right. something. Uh, uh, take my uh, idea. That, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be your idea. <laughs> Um, well, you'll see. We'll have to see what mine is afterwards. So the thing that uh, the article doesn't tell you about Nacho Vidal, uh, former porn star, is the reason he's a former porn star is that uh, he contracted HIV while working. Now, that's a fun fact. I can't be sued for that because that's actually true. OK, <laughs> so what? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I read it. I read it somewhere. Uh, don't ask me why I know that. Uh he, the, what the story picks up 
with him experimenting with these bufo toads. See, what happened is when he couldn't do porn anymore, he kind of lost his purpose. Like, what else am I supposed to do with my life if I can't do this, right? So he went on a on a on a Stephen Strange like pilgrimage all over the world, trying to speak to the smartest people he could find, doctors and 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 the most uh, educated people and, and shamans and anyone he could find. And someone told him that if you can properly process the venom from the bufo toad and and apply that to yourself correctly that you can uh, actually cure hiv that's not true so anyone listening to it don't listen to that all right so you can actually cure <laughs> hiv and so what he was doing he wasn't preying on people he was actually trying to help people and run uh low scale trials to synthesize a version of this bufo toad venom that could help the people and it's gone tragically wrong. And so that's why he got caught up with that. And that's how uh, the people have unfortunately passed away. So. All right. So I believe that leaves just Mr. Nick Thacker to pitch us a story uh, based on the foreign press. Uh, Yeah. So what we've got here is uh, a classic case of um, the Basque region in uh, France, Spain, it's uh, the border of the Pyrenees mountains there. Um, the Basque people live there and they have, uh, sort of been this somewhat ostracized, um, kind of seen as almost like gypsies, uh, peoples for a long time. And, uh, and they're thinking that their time is now. And so they've started building, um, an army and, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to try to take over Spain and they're going to try to make it their own country once and for all. And the way they do this now, their, their genetics, um, in the Basque area, uh, these people are, are different in some ways than, than, you know, any other surrounding people. And uh, they're using that to their advantage by basically um, building an army of, of purebred Basque soldiers. And they're testing people by using this, this chemical inside this frog that will kill anyone who is not a pure Basque person. Um, so this is an ancient ritual that goes back way back before, you know, this, this frog was brought over to Mexico and South, Southwestern United States from Spain way back in the day. Uh, and so this is like just been something that's in their, uh, in their history for a long time. And they're finally putting it to the test and they're creating this army, uh, the soldiers, soldiers basically. And, uh, and our main guy, Vidal, just, uh, he was a little cocky and, uh, brought it out in a party and, uh, Sorry. you know, killed somebody. And, uh, and that's how, you know, the tension has been on him. Um, but somewhere up in those Pyrenees mountains, there's a cave full of uh, Basque super soldiers that are just waiting just waiting for their army to be finished. Very army nice. Totenness. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Nick Thacker. All right. I believe Kevin is the only one left and we're at a half an hour. So this will be our final story. Kevin, do you want to bring us home with the final pitch of the day? I already get, I went first. Wait, you did? So everybody went? <laughs> Sorry. So that was the final pitch. You had to end on me. How do you feel about that? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so I get a second shot, is what you're saying. Do you have another pitch? You want to re pitch? Uh, no, I, I don't have another pitch. <laughs> okay, it's just going to involve enchiladas and birds and AI. It's, it's... Porn enchiladas and AI birds. Porn enchiladas. <laughs> All right, everyone. So if you're watching, you'll see our websites. I can't actually point all the way down there because Kevin's in the way. Get out of my way. Move. 
uh, if you look all the way down there, you'll see our websites, jimeska.com, kevintumlinson.com, nickthacker.com, and ramcgee.com. Yes, they're my uh, two bottom uh, uh, participants are tracking alongside everyone thanks for watching and remember you can still vote if you're watching later you can vote below in which comments win so you're going to make one of these guys very happy next week all right thanks everyone <clears throat> have a great day make me Peace happy out. i have so little <laughs> <laughs>